Oxford show. As his team get ready for a return to action in the FA Vars, we hear from Deal Town head coach Steve King. We're going to do everything that we can um, to go and get a result on Saturday. We want to have a little run over, over the next month, ideally. And after a frustrating first full year in charge, we also have a chat with sitting ball manager Darren Blackburn about the future for the Brickies. It can save the club a bit of money in the long run, as well as bring in some, some important funding with obviously the effects of COVID and stuff as well. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Ken Only Podcast brought to you in association with SCSA Sports Management. A quieter week than last but there's excitement here as Deal Town returned to action on Saturday which means that Matt is going to get to go to a game. We've got two interviews for you this week of course including one to look ahead to that big FA Vars clash. As always, I'm John Phipps. You really can't wait for the hairdressers to open on Monday. On the line now is a man who really can take most, if not all, of the credit for last week's record listening figures. It's Matt Gerrard. How are you, mate? Not bad. Yeah, amazing figures, weren't they? Amazing. Fantastic, yeah. Everybody hates Dover. Everybody hates Raywood. Everybody <laughs> hates Dover. So, yeah. Um, yeah, apart from that, my hair is... I put it in a top knot at the weekend. <laughs> It was that bad, and my my daughter, my wife did it because she said it was getting in my eyes, and I kept moving it away. And then my daughter won downstairs and said, "Dad, you look like an idiot." So that was it. So I don't, and I did send it a picture to my mum as well. She goes, "Oh, that is quite fashionable, but I don't think it's right for you." So I think my mum can be quite nice saying it looks good, but it's not quite for me. So yeah, I will not. I have, I've got my hair booked on the twenty third, so still quite a bit of a way away, but it's happening. So it's getting out of control, really. See, I go to the sort of places where you don't have to book. I just go to a barber's where you can just walk in and the nice man do, do, does the haircut. And I always like it going in there because I come out looking about five years younger. Well, we did this conversation as well about, you know, you have a beard. Yeah. And I said to my wife, why do men have beards? She said it because it makes them look younger. Is that I thought, because my dad used to have a beard, but I remember for about the first 15 years of my life, but I also, when he shaved it off, he looked younger. But is it why do men, apart from the fashionable element, is it because it makes you look younger? Do you want the honest answer as to why I have a beard? Uh, yes, of course. Just be honest. I you cannot be asked to have a shave. Oh, I see. Right. It's not. I mean, I, I literally, I don't gr- groom the beard or anything. I have a shave every month or so, and then it grows back to the length it grows back to. And then when I have enough of it, I shave it off. I always, I never go completely clean shaven. Um, because I am obviously hideously ugly, but I think I do look younger without um, without it, if I'm honest. So when you look at Gareth Southgate, you think, oh, he'd look younger without a beard, I would have thought. But I don't really know why. It's a, it's a, you know, I've never grown a beard, and I don't think I'll ever will. So it was just a conversation we had at home, really, you know, about beards. Exciting times at the Gerald yeah, House. Yeah, 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 it is, to be honest. It is very exciting, but... Um, I thought topics like that were off. We didn't have to talk about things like that anymore because we can go out and see other people now. Surely you, you don't need to be scraping the barrel for conversation topics at home with the wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we have been. We haven't really been seeing anybody else. So basically, I'll dog walk and that's about it. But and I, did I mention that? Every talk show, if you've got a dog. Everybody. Amazing. What, I've got new friends, I have. Wow, dog friends. Yeah, dog friends, yeah. So. Uh, oh, you're going dogging with people, isn't that lovely? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, I've I've seen my mum and dad, uh, which was okay. very pleasant. 
uh and yeah that's about it really but um yeah just nice to uh to to see them and and get back to a bit of normality but uh, we shall see what happens uh, going forward it's our 166th episode this week and there was nothing of any interest at all in my initial search so i stuck the number in spotify and discover that they've got a playlist of songs at between 166 and 172 beats per minute to encourage people to run a mile in eight minutes. Now, I don't listen to music while I run, and I'm a long way off doing eight-minute miles, but I'm pretty bloody sure that Jay-Z joining Rihanna for a remix of Umbrella certainly wouldn't help me go any quicker. Umbrella, umbrella, umbrella. Mm. So I know that one. So. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not... It's not, so not, not it's what, 166, are we? Yeah, I know. That would be a cool number for some week, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was, it was something about baseball again, but I'm fed up with talking oh, about that right. nonsense. Oh, we got a lot of respect for baseball, didn't we, last week? Yeah, we All did. And, people, and yeah. yeah, apparently, uh, Hody was saying the reason that they only play 30 games is because they only, or they don't, the reason that that win record is so impressive is because they only tend to play 30 games a season. Well, I, I say you earn the big bucks, and I want to become a baseball pitcher. They said, yeah, I they pay pretty well. I thought on that. I, I don't understand why they don't just play fewer games and use the play. Oh, I don't know. I give up. Uh, anyway, a season ticket. I was just thinking, if they play, what, 80 games at home, what, how much does it cost to go and watch a match? Probably not much, is it? I don't know. I've never really looked at it. How much does it cost to play baseball? There you go. He'll tweet us next. Good day, lady. Yeah, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Uh, anyway, on with the show. And although Bromley season continues, more on that later. It's an exciting weekend for Deal Town, who finally play their FA Vars tie against Binfield this weekend. The Hoops are at home to the side that they beat after penalties in a replay last season. And ahead of that game, Matt spoke to Deal head coach and friend of the show, Steve King. Would I be right in saying that you've probably played Binfield more times in the next, the last year than some of the teams in your, actually in your own league? Yeah, no, yeah, this will be the obviously third time we've played them in uh, just over a year. And um, yeah, with the curtailment of the season with uh, COVID last year and this year, um, there's a few sides in our own league that we haven't played in that time. So uh, yeah, we're getting to know them pretty well. Yeah, you, you, you say about that, it was a dramatic tie last year, draw at the Charles Ground, and then you won 7 6 on penalties up there with the goalkeeper being a bit of a hero. Um, do you think those games make any factor at all at this weekend? Um, no, in terms of the fact that obviously it's it's a year on, and it's a different game, but both clubs have kept a pretty similar squad. So um, I think obviously both sides know what to expect from each other. Uh, there hasn't been a huge amount of changes. So I think obviously the fact we know each other as a bearing, the fact that it was a tight game or two tight games last year um, will have a bearing. But I think from our point of view that Probably the two performances results against Binfield last year were, were two standout performances for the season. Um, I think when we went up there, they had won 12, 13 consecutive home games. Um, and I think when I looked at the two-year points per game, two-season points per game, they're like 2.41 right. in their league, which would mean if that they would have got promoted probably in both seasons without the curtailment. So um, although they were tight last year, I think we'd probably go in as underdogs again. Um, but certainly looking forward to it. You mentioned about squads there. All about yourself, I presume. You can only go back to training probably last week. How's it been since, because your last game was Halloween, I think, 31st of October, so near nigh on six months since you've actually been able to play. How difficult has that been for you as a coach and for the players as well in this time? Yeah, it's been all right. We, we did play at the start of December. We were the only one oh, yeah. decided in the last round of the Vars. Um, but we've played, like I say, one game since the end of October. So, um, yeah, we, we've been in, trained a couple of times. Um, well, we trained last night for the third time. 
we had an inter-squad game on Saturday um, to make sure, obviously, everybody got some decent minutes. But to be fair to the boys, they, they've come back and you wouldn't know that we haven't played for, for that length of time um, in terms of fitness levels. Their fitness levels are very good. Um, obviously, what you are missing is that match sharpness, that little bit of rustiness on the football um, that you can only get by playing games. But, like we say, Binfield are in the same boat as us. Um, I think they managed to play a friendly on Saturday. Um, so, I mean, both sides are in the same boat, but it has been a, a strange and challenging time, to be fair. You've been in, I suppose, with WhatsApp and things like that. You've been in contact with the players over the period to make sure they're okay and things like that. Yeah, yeah, we've been we've been in regular contact. Um, we're a close group of, of players and uh, management, so we've been keeping in touch. And quite a few of the boys, once restrictions eased and we could do um, sort of exercise with one. One person from another household. I was doing one-to-ones with quite a few of the boys, um, which was obviously made for quite a hectic time at weekends and stuff like that. But um, So a lot of them have been ticking over, doing their own work or doing bits with me. So, um, yeah, we, we've done everything we can. Talking about the site, with this thing, could you, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do this, but could you have brought in a whole new squad to play this particular game? Or was there any sort of rules and regulations about the squad you could play? Could you bring in a whole um, new team? Yeah, well, for this game we couldn't because uh, players had to be available for the original game. Right. Um, the FA have allowed dispensation to sign six players for the future rounds. Right. Um, now, that would have had to have been done by the 25th of March. Um, so I don't know what other clubs in the competition would have done. In theory, they could have signed six players from higher levels and may well use them. Um, to be honest, we've just signed a couple of youngsters on that have been training with us. Um, if we do progress through against Binfield so you won't see any uh, major shocks or changes for us but how other sides are going to treat that uh, I'm not sure for us we're in a long term project that we're trying to build a squad um, so obviously we're not going to just bring in four or five players for one game but I'm sure there are clubs in the in the competition that have probably done that About Binfield you mentioned their squad has their squads changed much how is it easy is it to get old information about them yeah well Obviously, it's a lot easier nowadays with uh, social media and everything like that. Um, obviously, we do our homework. I, I know pretty much all of their side, and I'd imagine that they'll end up with probably eight or nine starters from the side that played us last year. Um, they haven't had a large turnover of players in the same way as we haven't, so we're, we're pretty well prepped in terms of um, knowing what we're going to be facing. Yeah, and how excited were you going to be on, on Saturday when you wake up, I suppose? It's, it's missing that the smell of the football, the smell of the grass and everything, and back in a competitive game, it's going to get your juices going, isn't it? Yeah, I can't wait. You know what I'm like, I enjoy it. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to be uh, sat up back in my perch and, uh, yeah, just getting the boys going, just being back at training has been, uh, been great. And, yeah, we're going to do everything that we can um, to go and get a result on Saturday. And we want to have a little run over over the next month, ideally. Yeah, again, in the worst case scenario, if you go out of the competition, the Scaffold have said they're not going to do a sort of a, a secondary competition because of the lack of crowds and people coming in. Will you continue training or is that you done for the season then? Uh, what we'll probably do is we'll continue putting something on for the boys, like we'll probably do a five-a-side once a week or something like that, but I'm not a massive fan of continuing to train without anything to, to play for. Um, I think that I mean, you can get a bit stale that way and obviously we're hoping we've got the start date for next season and we're hoping that that'll go ahead as normal so 
yeah, really in terms of us for the competitive season, it's going to be important um, over the next couple of days that we do everything we can to win on Saturday. Do you think it was the right decision by the scaffold not to go ahead with a sort of a mini competition? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that it's really feasible without crowds. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they've made the they've made the right decision on that. To be honest, and you mentioned about you know dates of season thing. Will you start a little bit earlier in June or maybe getting players back? Or I presume players, you know, just want to play football, I suppose. And when you see that date ahead, does your pre-season for next season start sort of um, start a little bit earlier, would it be? Well, what we've, tended, what we've tended to do for the last couple of years is to get the boys back in in small groups at the start of June just to get them going. Um, and we'll, we'll look to do that again this year. Um, but I, I'm not a fan of having the whole group in too early because, like I say, I think that when you're doing sessions where you've got everybody together and the target of a game's too far away, you can sort of get a bit stale and standards can drop a little bit. Um, and we want to make sure that when we come back in, we'll come in the last Saturday of June as usual as a whole group, um, that we're sort of ready to hit the ground running and we haven't got sort of a 10-week pre-season. We're just at the usual six weeks. So we'll keep ticking over. We'll keep doing stuff as a group. But in terms of probably getting absolutely everybody back together and being full at it, I think we'll stick to our usual schedule. Yeah, on Saturday, of course, you know, no crowds. I'm lucky enough to be going to the game. But you have got Facebook as well, so people can watch the game live. Is that correct on Facebook? It is, yeah. We had a good trial run um, and everything worked okay for the inter-squad game this week just to make sure that, that things work. So, yeah, people just need to join their Facebook group. Um, it's all free um, and they'll be, able to watch the, uh, they'll be able to watch the game from there. So, obviously, we'd have loved a crowd. I think we had 560, 570 in the home game against Midfield last year. So, I mean, we would have loved to have had a, a near full Charles ground, but... Things are as they are at the minute, so at least hopefully people can watch it and cheer us on from home. A couple of days before the game, do you know your first eleven? Do you have more subs this time? Have they given you so have more? Um, I presume it would have been sixteen, or you can have eighteen players. Is there any changes because of COVID? Yeah, we, we can have we can have eighteen. Um, yes, yeah, so we can have seven subs. Um, I'll be telling if I said we knew our starting lineup, but obviously we're not a million miles away. Um, we've got another training session on Thursday evening, so we need everyone to get through that okay. Um, and then we'll be ready to go. And how important is, you know, I presume the VARS takes an even more importance because, as I said it before, it could be the start of a run of games or it could be your last game of the season. So for both sides, it's probably, you know, so, so important, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it is really important. But like I say, we, we didn't think, we didn't know if we were going to have this shot. Um, we're, we're certainly not one of the favourites to win it with some of the sides that are still left in it. And, and Binfield, like I say, I think they've lost one in their last 25 games at our level. Um, so they'd have to go in as favourites. But as we proved last year, um, if we can get to our levels that we know we're capable of, then there's no reason why we can't get a result Saturday. And then that's the case. We'll prep for the following week away at Fakenham and go there trying to get a result. And we'll see how far it, see how far it can take us. So, yeah, it's important. But... Um, we, we want to enjoy it we want to get back out there and we want to make sure we give it our all Penalties last year is, is it extra time in penalties or straight to penalties today or this weekend? No, straight to penalties one leg Right uh, <laughs> so, Plenty yeah. of drama I expect again like going on the previous games it, you know it's not going to be for the faint hearted I expect this clash is it? Well no look, we drew over 90 minutes twice last <laughs> season um, I think we drew a, a fair number of league games this season so um I wouldn't be absolutely shocked if we didn't have some uh, penalty drama come 
five o'clock on Saturday. And would you, would, uh, final training session on Thursday, would, would the boys be tra- practising their pens? Uh, no, we won't on Thursday, um, but we did do a proper shootout run for at the end of our inter-squad game on uh, on Saturday. Um, I'm not a massive fan of practising in training because you just can't recreate and replicate the pressure. Um, and everyone scores me in training. <laughs> I mean, it's not not difficult. I mean, so um, we won the last round on a penalty shootout um, down at Salty. So if it goes there, we back our goalkeeper. I mean, Tonks is very, very good in those situations and a confident boy. And um, maybe a few demons in Binfield's head from last year if it goes to that stage. But it, I'll use the old phrase because it is it, it, it's a lottery. Um, when you get there and we'll just have to see I mean we've got a big 90 minutes first and if it comes to that then we'll we'll take it when it comes uh, All set up for a cracking cup tie on Saturday at the Charles Ground Matt Yeah of it going on the basis of the last two games I think it will be absolutely brilliant um, as he said there um, he, yeah, was he playing it down so, but they haven't beat them over 180 minutes he said oh they're not going to might not necessarily be favourites still maybe he's you know Put it on the back burner, Steve, saying that thing. Well, I think they've utilised you beating them before. They haven't beat, you know, they've got a good record, but they couldn't do you over two games. So let's go again. I'm expecting an absolute cracker. And he mentions the rustiness of it. It'll be interesting to see what it's like in these games going straight after 90 minutes. I'm sure these footballers, you know, will be straight into it. And, you know, chomping at the bit for the first game since what, December, as he said. I do wonder about that. Actually, the first ten minutes could be quite entertaining. It could be like four-four after ten minutes. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm expecting goals in it. Um, I think it could be an interesting. The rustiness when you come back after you know first game of the season, it'll be a little bit tentative. Once that first challenge goes in, I'm sure it'll be absolutely um, brilliant. People will be all over it like a rash. I'm really expecting a good game, and it's. I say it's nice to go out and actually watch a game of football and. And how important it for both sides. I think they they think that maybe don't think they might not go on and win it, but a result there builds confidence and they can carry on their season, which, I, as I said, there is probably the most important thing as well. I guess there's also the factor as well that because this is all they've got, you know, there's no league games. Everyone's going to be giving an absolutely everything to to win this tie, isn't it? It's just a matter of, you know, potentially every game now is a cup final all the way through to, to Wembley and you've got nothing else to play for. If you lose, your season's over. So teams, there'll be no pussyfooting about, so to speak. There will just be going hell for leather to win those games. Uh, you've got nothing to lose. I would have thought that there's, um, if you if you fall behind, you're not going to, or if you go ahead, you're not going to be sitting on your laurels here. Right, let's finish this game off from there. So the tactics will be, they know each other these pretty much these two sides pretty well from what they played over. And I do think Deal getting the result against them before, if, if he's not using it for his team talk, I think I should do really, because I think like I've done it before, we can do it again. And there's absolutely no reason why they can't. So, um, yeah, I'm looking at, again, first of all, I'm watching a game of football, how many people will be there. Um, it'd be interesting. So it should be, uh, I, I'm expecting goals, John, open attacking football. Um, Steve will be, you know, you know, I think he, he's worked his hard. From what I'm speaking to him, what I said, he's worked the players hard over the last since they've been back in training. They'll be organised, prepared, and they'll go from there. Yeah, interestingly, said that uh, they won't be. They, they did practice penalties on Saturday, but they won't practice them uh, tomorrow because you just can't replicate it. But I wonder what the difference is between a penalty shootout with no fans and a penalty shootout with, with supporters. It's got to be pretty good. I remember 
when I spoke to Jack Paxman after the uh, Ebbsfleet game earlier in the season, I was just chatting to him off the record, and he said, we've had two penalty shootouts here, and there's just no pressure on them. It, it must be such a strange situation when, if it does go to penalties, it's a massively important penalty shootout, but there's no one there giving you abuse or anything. <laughs> yeah, it must be difficult on that to, to do it. But I think you'll just be, be focused and prepared. That's all you can be. Um, I spoke to somebody. Yeah, I spoke to Steve um, O'Brien, who I know, and said, "Oh, did you score in the uh, in, in the penalty shootout in the practice?" And he said, "Of course I did." So I think he's pretty confident. If you had ten thousand people there or a thousand people, there, I think the when you get to that level, John, I think you, you're pretty confident you can put the ball in the back of the net from twelve yards. And obviously the game available uh, to watch on Facebook for people who uh, aren't in the privileged position that, that you are, Matt, and go into the game. Yeah, yeah, I think um, they, I, I think that's a really good idea. I think uh, Binfield have taken that on board as well as a, a way of seeing it. So absolutely fantastic. And uh, I, I'm, so, I'm so looking forward to it. Um, it's going to be cold, but I think that's uh, nothing to moan about. I think it'll be a cracking game of football. And fingers crossed that... One, you know, the only Kent side, apart from Bromley playing, can get through another game. And just finally on that interview, he said about how for the later rounds you can sign up to six new players. Yeah. I bet there's some teams elsewhere in this competition playing a very, very uh, different game to the way Steve King's played it. But then, having said that, he might have just been playing it down and you're going to turn up and half the Ebbsfleet team's going to be there Saturday. <laughs> it could be. I, I would have thought that a lot of teams will be this is a northern competition. Northern winners do normally well in it. And I'm sure that he couldn't sign players. And I'm not saying they would, but I, I would have thought a lot of clubs across the board will be looking to extend it from there. It'd be interesting to see. Is that in the um, nature of the right by the tournament? Probably not, but people will try and use that advantage. Some particularly, as I say, I'll be a north, northernist here, aren't I? That, you know, you think of all those big places up there, I presume it doesn't matter if you're cup tied as well, I would have thought. Mm. You could probably carry on as well. So you might get players who've been knocked out by some of these clubs who are doing it. I don't really think that's fair, but people who want to play at Wembley, don't they? And, this guy, and then, of course, there will be a crowd at this one, not the, the, the one that hasn't actually happened yet. Yes, exactly. Well, we'll see what happens and massive good luck uh, to Deal Town. And we'll hear all about it and Matt's day out uh, on next week's Kent Only podcast. There's lots going on elsewhere as well as clubs start to look ahead to next season. But as we're about to hear, some teams are pressing ahead with plans to play some friendlies before the end of the current campaign. A few weeks ago, Sitting Board announced the start of a new academy for young players. And after probably the most frustrating first calendar year in charge imaginable, the announcement of the academy seemed like a good chance to catch up with Brookie's boss, Darren Blackburn. I interviewed him earlier on today, getting in the way of him doing some painting, and he was on good form. So here he is, Darren Blackburn. We spoke just after you'd got the job, and well over a year ago now, and you've managed, what, eight games? <laughs> yeah, is it, is it that many? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, we had a few friendlies, didn't we? A few pre-season games, and... Um... Yeah, obviously, like the season before was written off, so I didn't have anything to, to finish off from there, really. It should have been nine games, I think, from that, which would have been nice to, to have got my teeth into it and see where we were. But as it was, we had to use pre-season for that. Then we had a lot of changes come in. Then we pre-season went OK, to be fair. You know, a few ups, few downs, but more ups than downs. Um, and then we had a late addition of a few players that I've been, been chasing through the summer. Um, and they all sort of come in together. So really, those those first five or six league games and, and cup games that we actually managed to play, competitive games, were really in effect our 
our pre-season together. So we were only just, and probably the best game of the lot that we played was our final game against Barking, who were a good side and had, had, were in a good run of form in their league as well after a bit of a dodgy start. Um, you know, we, we played quite well. We, we created, created plenty of chances, controlled a, a good amount of the possession, which was nice, and unfortunately lost on penalties in the Cup. So, yeah, it was just sort of coming good for us. And then, obviously, we, we were back to square one again. <laughs> It's, it must just be so frustrating for you because I, I know you're, you're keen to make a real success of this at Sittingbourne. Yeah, we've. The trouble is, you, you come in and you look at the, the, the club for the last 10 years. And I, I know Chris Lynch did as well. You know, we both had a look at it. And when you look at where they finished and, and what the club's achieved in the last five or 10 years, it, it's had some good people there, you know, some good players, some good managers. And for some reason, it just sort of struggled to, to probably hit the heights that it should do really for a club of its size and and the town of its size so and especially with the history it's got in and around those levels as well so we looked at it and i don't think we finished in the top half for for 10 years um which is crazy really so that was a real in my in, in the back of my mind that was an immediate goal to, to try and do that and achieve that that that'd be great um and obviously wherever that took us on from there was you know was going to be even yeah, even even more important um if we could you know grab a playoff spot or be pushing for playoffs or, or even better than, than fantastic but unfortunately I think when the league finished I think we had a few games in hand which would have if we'd have won those two or three games it, it would have put us up to mid-table if other results had gone our way um, and yeah we yeah it was going okay it was going okay to be fair the thing is as well you, you're obviously looking at things away from the club itself is looking at things sort of away from the pitch as well because uh, you've got the link up with Borden Village. You've got your academy now, and I guess does that show the way that clubs are having to adapt to to life since COVID? Yeah, I think so. I think the the days gone by of of being able to rely on just purely fans coming through the gate for you know sponsorships for budget and things like that, and the structure of the club um, just forming like almost like an upside down pyramid with, with the top being the most important bit doesn't really work. I think if you look at any professional club, I've been fortunate enough to spend a bit of time around Gillingham sort of with my son over over the last few years and and if you look at that it it's sort of done from the bottom up. Um, you know, t- teams would argue and people argue how many players, youth team players ever make it through to to first teams at the level that they're they're playing at or they've been coached at and probably doesn't happen as much as you'd hope it does at any level really. Um, but if you've got that set up, then you can at least attract the players in and you've got the opportunity to, to, to have that pool of players to go and draw on and it doesn't have to be a huge signing every summer. It might be a lad that comes through your youth set up that's, you know, that's got a bit about him that, that can play at that level and can you think can achieve those those levels in the future as well. So it can save the club a bit of money in the long run as well as bring in some, some important funding with obviously the effects of COVID and stuff as well. And I guess as well with with having an academy, it, it probably gets people sort of on side a little bit as well. You know, oh, my lads at the academy, my grand, my nephews at the academy. Then people start getting a bit more involved in the club as a whole. Yeah, the the, the town is. You know, we 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 try to one thing I, I tried to do when I took over was, was go a little bit more local with the lads if I could. I mean, we've got some fantastic players I'm sure in Sittingbourne that live in and around Sittingbourne that are that are not playing for Sittingbourne and have probably never played um, for Sittingbourne. Um, uh, you know, I think that that was that was certainly something that was in the in the sort of forefront of my mind when I took the job. Um, certainly, being born and bred in the Medway towns as well, I knew there were a lot of players that maybe just outside the Sittingbourne area that we could maybe try and attract over the years. 
Um, one of the main things to try and retain, you know, the players that we had. We, we managed to do that initially successfully. Then uh, just before I took over, we lost on, you know, sort of Tommy Fagg was a big player for us. He obviously moved on to Ashford and you know, obviously I, I wish him well, really liked Tommy, you know, great lad. Um, and then during the season, uh, Sheppy came in for Lex, um, you know, made him an offer um, that, that he, he sort of couldn't turn down. The club itself is doing some big things as well on and off the pitch. So you know, I can't blame him as a young lad for wanting to go and try something else. So that was a little bit frustrating to lose a couple of key players like that. But, you know, Clubs will always have quite a high turnover at this level. It's it's a bit of a player manager merry-go-round. We've we've seen it in the last seven days, you know, as as well. There's always that every, every summer. Really, there's something going on. So you mentioned them there, and and Sheppey United. Obviously, they're they're a, a league below Sittingbourne at the moment, but they are really on your coattails. And and I guess although they they are the rivals of Sittingbourne, you'd love them to come up so you can play them, wouldn't you? Oh. I'll, I'll... I've got. I mean, I actually, um, I actually met my wife on the ground uh, 28 years ago um, on the on Sheppey ground when when I played there as a kid. Um, so you know the, the club and, and the air. I've got family down there, so as well that still live down there. Uh, my wife's uncle supports them. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd I'd love them to come up. You know, I shouldn't really be saying that as a sitting ball manager. I'm, I'm sure I get a bit of criticism off my fans for that. But I think our fans are, you know, our fans don't begrudge anybody any success either. You know, our fans are long overdue some success and, and a bit more to shout about. But they're, they're the type of fans. They're so they're such such a nice group that you know wherever they go, they've got the same attitude towards it, towards football. They just love their Saturday afternoons and to have a couple of derbies, you know, local derbies like that in, in a season would would make their season. And and likewise with with the likes of Chatham as well. You know, I'll put them in in the same, hold them in the same esteem. Um, played for them as a, as a kid. And my first team debut many years ago, I think it was about 16, played a few games for them. I think played for their under-18s as well for a bit. I've still got some friends now. From my time at the club, my my new coach, or one of our, our coaches, Steve Witten, um, actually played with Steve back in those days at Chatham. We, we was in the sort of same teams and district setups and stuff. So, um, you know, football, that's what football's all about. For me, it's, it's, it's the local side of it is, is what that local rivalry, those big games that we remember from, from the Kent League many, many years ago and, and all that, that, that'd be great for our league. And, you know, hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen, if it's going to happen in a restructure or whether, you know, the guys will get promoted next season if they don't get it in a restructure this, you know, in the closed season. But yeah, the, I've made no, made no secret about it that, that they've made great progress off the pitch and on the pitch. So, they deserve it as much as anybody, more than more than most, and as much as anybody. So yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, I think a Sheppey sitting board Boxing Day derby would be fantastic. But uh, in the yeah, meantime, what, what's the aim for Sittingbourne for, for next season? I know you're able to train now. Are you doing anything now, or are you just sort of taking a break and making sure you're ready to hit the ground running for pre-season? We we took some time to weigh it up. Um, the problem with our facility is it's a hospitality facility. It, it does obviously Woodstock isn't just about Sittingbourne Football Club. There's a gym that runs out of there. There's a restaurant that runs out of there. So our, our chairman has to be very careful with with how he does things, what he opens, when, and stuff. And 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 public admittance obviously has to go through the council. Um, some clubs have obviously just been able to start up because it's purely a football club and that's all they're doing they're doing football so we've had to be a bit sensitive to it so we've sort of come to the agreement that 
we would have some more games. We would. I spoke to the, the, the lads, I spoke to my management team, and I think the feeling was that if we just completely washed this season out with no sort of closure to it, then it, again, it's, it means the lads haven't been together for a long, long time. Then we come back into pre-season, everyone's got to get to know each other again, so to speak. Um, it was quite a new squad that was put together anyway. So now what we've done is we've, we've arranged, I think we've got four friendlies arranged from the 17th of April running up to the last one on the 8th of May. Sadly, obviously, we won't be allowed any fans in for any of those games. Um, but we just felt it was important just to get four four games together, really. Um, five or six training sessions we're going to do as well. Um, and that just sort of is it's almost like the closure of this season. That's how we're treating it. You know, get the lads back together have a bit of fun in the sessions, um, you know, just a social thing as well, you know, see, see, have a little look at fitness levels, see what the guys are like. Um, but ultimately, we'll take care of all that in pre-season anyway. Um, those that obviously will be retaining and, and as is always the case, I'm sure there'll be a few lads that move on for a variety of reasons. And then I suppose just finally want to hit, make sure you can hit the ground running in, in June, July and, and be ready for what hopefully will be your first full season in charge. Yeah, yeah, it'll be um, yeah, it'll be bizarre. It'll be almost like the, the third season I've been a part of the club. It might be my first full season, which is which is crazy, isn't it? Really, um, probably longest serving manager with with the least amount of games, I imagine, <laughs> under my belt. Um, but it's yeah, it's been frustrating. But again, we're we're pretty focused on on next season as well. We know we've got to finish off this season. We've got to give it some sort of closure. Um, we we discuss the option of, of just writing this season off and. and but there were pros and cons in all of it, really. So we've taken four games on. They're four teams that, um, you know, they'll be competitive games, but it's it's just about that get-together now. Um, you know, seeing who's looked after themselves, you know, and also I think it's, it's, good, it's important for the lads' mental health as well to, to, to get out and do something, you know, and remind themselves why they what they enjoy doing, why they do what they do, because if we leave it another two or three months, that's another two or three months where you know, people's mental health can suffer. You know, you're just stuck indoors again. Um, yeah, the weather's improving a little bit, but not that much. So just a positive, really. I think it's just finish the season with a positive and then we're solely focused on next season. I've, I've chatted to one or two players already, uh, a few sort of targets for next season. Um, and really, then I need to sit down and have a chat with the rest of the squad after the 8th of May. I've said to guys, we're not going to discuss any sort of retention until after that. Um, get those four games out of the way. Everybody who's been a part of the squad deserves to be a part of those four games, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then after the 8th of May, we'll sit down and discuss retention and recruitment fully. Uh, another really nice man doing the, the rounds in, in Kent football, uh, Matt. And the ambition that he's got for the club seems quite clear. He just wants to steadily work their way up the Eastman League South East initially and then really push on at the club and, and utilise that potential at Sittingbourne that we've spoken about before. Yeah, I think it was a really good... I think if it had been me and you hadn't played any games, I'd have been so frustrated with it all and stuff that. But he, I think he's taken it in his stride. Um, it's good to see they're getting games coming up as well, which I think I think certain clubs who are not playing, training training is good, get the players in. It gives him another further look at some players. I'd be interested to know they're playing friendlies again. He didn't mention that, did he, in his interview? So maybe keeping it under the radar with playing. But I think it's it, it's good that he's doing that, looking at it. Being prepared, I remember I saw their first game going back to Deal, didn't I? Against in the FA Cup, and I don't mean to be moved down, but they were absolutely appalling that day against them. Deal when they got lost four one. So, um, but he said they were going better forward. They were going forward. 
doing a little bit better. So, um, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, again, I, surely he's taken all this in his stride, going to utilise it for the future. And hopefully, as he said there, what do you remember there? I don't think, I've, apart from Sittingbourne when they were mid-90s, when they were splashing cash around like nobody's business, I don't think I've ever seen him in the top half of a division, have you? No, I don't think so. And uh, that, that's and part you of be, the... You used to live there as well, didn't you? So I, know I did, yeah. And my parents st- still do live there, so... Are they um, um, for me? They are probably the level they should be. If they went up the level, I would say they'd be punching above their weight. There's a lot of bigger clubs down there, but they've always been very well run with the with the pits, and maybe they're due a bit of success. And Darren's hopefully going to bring that to them. But I think if you look at it, you say they are where 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 they possibly should be. In terms of the uh, the size of the town. I would go as far as to say that Sittingbourne are probably a little bit below where they should be. You know, that it, it, it's a well-located lo- town. It's got a decent-sized population. And I, I, I think that there is the potential, if they could, if, if it all comes together and the houses get built up near where the stadium is, there is massive potential for them. Well, well again, that Woodstock, I've never been to that Woodstock Park, but you, you say you've yeah, been there. Place, no, no, um but maybe it's just not a football in town. You probably get a lot of Gillingham supporters there as well, I suppose, isn't it, from that point of view? Yeah, I mean, it's not far on the train up to up to Gillingham. But I, I just think there is a sort of, there is an untapped bit of potential there. But it is, they are held back at the moment by where they play. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Because Woodstock Park is a, is a fair distance from the town centre. Uh, it's a drive, but there's a small car park. You know, it's it's quite a hard place to get to, and and I know they work hard in trying to get transport up to the stadiums and everything like that. But it it is hard when you've got to make that go the extra mile. I suppose is is the way you look at it, quite literally in that case. And it is one of those where I just think if they had the right sort of uh, surroundings, if they had uh, chimney pots near the stadium, which they don't, it's basically just off the Kent Science Park where, where, where they currently play. But the the, the potential of, of, of Sittingbourne as, as a place is, is massive and they're building new things there and bits and pieces like that. And you just think that it's it's set up to have a moderately successful football team, but it is just being ever so slightly held back. But hearing from Darren there, I think he's got his head screwed on. He knows that he, they can't afford to run before they, before they can walk properly. And I think that he's he's got the idea to push them in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, what's his, you mentioned his background there. I presume he's played a lot of Kent football before Anne Sheppard, etc., like that. And again, one of the things that from that game that deal came across, he, he didn't put his foot around saying, "Oh, yeah, we were unlucky when he got told." So, um, I, I, yeah, it's, it's like everything when we speak to these people that the the, the 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 way they develop and what they put into it. It's so good, and I'm fair play to him. And hopefully, Sittingbourne are going to give him a chance now because the games of about he's played, there's not that many. And if he start badly next season, I don't think they would. But clearly, they see him as a man who can take the club forward with the academy and things like that, and developing players. And also, I thought it was an interesting point as well when when he started talking about Sheppey, and I thought it was a good opportunity to ask him because. I see a lot of things on Facebook. Sheppy love to think of themselves as, as big rivals with Sittingbourne, but they're not in the same division. And I, I really think that, that that, again, would give a bit more gravitas to, to Sittingbourne if they had their big rivals in the same league. And and, and it was interesting, he said Chatham are in the same sort of bracket as well. Those two teams in the scaffold are so desperate to get up. And I think that if, if those two 
were to get promoted at, at some point soon, it would be a boost for all of the Kent clubs in and around, not just themselves. Would you class Sheppey as a bigger club than Sittingbourne? Well, I think in terms of the support that they get and, and the setup at home park, I think you probably would have to be on the side of saying that. But ultimately, if you look at the league table, yeah. Sittingbourne are a big club because they're in the Eastman League and, yeah. and Sheppey aren't. And it'll be interesting when Sheppey do get up there because it is a when. It may not be next season. It it may not be the season up. But when they get up there, we should see how they cope with with the step up, and how they can how they can challenge because you know they could be one of those teams that goes straight up to the top uh, a la Cray Valley, or they could be one who who finds it a bit tougher. But at the moment, it, it's close because although Sheppey have, have perhaps got the biggest um, the biggest support base, they've got probably the better stadium, the better situated stadium. They're moving to put the 3G pitch in as well at the moment. I just kind of think that the, the league position is all in that. And at the moment, Sittingbourne can very much say we are Swales' number one team. Yeah, and I'm sure their, their loyal supporters probably think that as well. Interesting, they lost to Lex Allen. I, the guy who talked about that. He, was, he went trials at Premier League clubs and a lot of clubs were looking at him, went to Sheffield as well. So, But again, I think Darren, you know, he's got targets for next season, how he wants to work it. Clearly, he's got some good contacts in the game. So we can see how it goes. But yeah, interesting times ahead, I have to say. Um, you know, I'm just, I think what we, all we all need is a good full season, not any blockings and that, and people can go again. And Darren can show show his full worth to the club. And I think it's one of those things as well that everything that's happened with COVID, as he said there, you know, setting up the academy is, is a way of bringing the town in, getting people involved. And I think with everything that's gone on in the past year, I think people may look closer to home for, for their activities. There may be people who've been long-standing supporters of Gillingham. We think, well, do you know what? I don't fancy being in a four and a half thousand crowd. Can I go and get my football fix somewhere where it's less busy? And then y- your local teams, your scaffold teams are really going to feel the benefit of that. And Sittingbourne will hope they can be one of them. Yeah. I, I think from as a kid, we Sittingbourne always been a really, really friendly club from that. Um, with the, with the people I've been there before, I've never been to Woodstock Park. As you said, it, not the greatest facilities, but that's up for Darren to try and change that and maybe change that perception that people want to come and play for them, the way they're doing it and why they're doing things off the pitch. So, um, yeah, again, looking forward to seeing how they get on next season. It, it's, it's April now. It's still, what, four months before the season starts. For a lot of these clubs, it's going to be a hell of a long time, isn't it, really? Yeah, and I can guarantee you, come, come the first weekend in August, this show is just going to be ridiculous. We're all going to be absolutely buzzing for every single one of our show. teams. 14-hour show. Yeah, we'll have managers queuing up to be on the show. We'll be all excited for everything. And ultimately, everyone's going to have really high expectations and be like, this is our year and it's not going to be everybody's year. So it's going to be amazing to see how it all pans out um, from oh, August. I'm, but, I'm, as I said, I'm interested in about if there's going to be loads of players moving or there's going to be stability at, It'd be interesting to see. I know Margate have brought in a couple of players, they say, so. just to see how it, how it all going to work. Is there going to be loyalty or all players be moving around? Well, that will we will see that over the next few months. But it is going to be very very interesting, and I can't, I just can't wait for it to be honest. The, for the start of the new season, it's going to be absolutely superb. But of course, we have still got uh, quite a way to go, as you say. Elsewhere in the Eastern League Southeast, the Ramsgate have announced that Matt Longhurst has become a full time employee of the club as manager of the first team and community officer. And, and again, Matt, another step in the right direction for the Rams off the pitch. Yeah, you know when he said there, how many teams he's got behind below him, and I know he. He was doing a lot of stuff over lockdown one, wasn't he, at the club, getting involved and doing bits and pieces. Just an extra 
layer how busy Southwood will be when the 3G goes down on there with how many kids around. So absolutely brilliant. Fair play to them again. Um, the community club is the way forward. Will that be um, will that benefit as well the the main football club as well the the men's team? We we'll have to wait and see if they're going to be players coming through Ramsgate were one of these clubs that used to bring the players in locally and get them to play and maybe this man's the way to do it again yeah and obviously Matt Longhurst is, is an experienced manager at that level uh, and it, I think there were times where we thought Ramsgate should be doing better than they were on the pitch but I think everything just ties in together and if you've got that togetherness you, you're going to have that extra buzz about the place I suppose and I think that that's the the sensible way of doing it to, to really show they've shown their commitment to him he's shown their his commitment to the club as well and I think that's only going to work out well for them in the long run yeah I, I, I think um, they're going to get the benefits when you see their crowds go up I'm sure when they do this as well yeah interesting times up at Southwood as well yeah and it's, it's good to see yeah, up the road at Margate, six of last season's squad have signed on, five have left. A new face has also been confirmed. Ben Greenhouse signed on as a player coach. Uh, obviously, Ben, a player who we know well, we've discussed a lot as well. Uh, but his on-the-pitch talents at 28, Matt, that's a really good signing for Margate. Yeah, he's got one of these players that gets you out of your seat, isn't he? When I saw him for Tunbridge, for, for Maidstone, he's got, a, you know, he, he played for Inter Milan. But he's one of these players that, will excite the crowds if he gets going. Only 28 experienced coach as well, working at the academy elsewhere. So at Dartford, yeah, good good signing. I think you can see what Jay Saunders, who's had, knows him before, uh, is, is trying to do from there. Yeah, and, and obviously set pieces are a, a massive plus as well, because if you've got someone who you know you can depend upon to chip in with your goal from free kicks and, and take your corners and everything like that, that's a, a massive, massive boost. And I think, as I say, at 28, He's still got a lot left in him. And I think that's a real coup, actually, to get him into this Premier League. And that is why Jay Saunders is, is a great man for Margate to have, because he's, he's got those connections and he can bring those players in. And he knows how to get out of this league if, if he's got the right backing and, and the time. Yeah, I think it was, I'm led to believe that Norman Wabo is going to sign as well. Um, going to be announced in the next couple of days as well. He's a striker that's been around the houses. But well, he was there last he, season, wasn't he? Yeah, like, played a couple of games, didn't he? But if they can settle down, he can score goals, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, as well as Ben Greenhow, though, a number of other players have headed for the exit door at Tunbridge Angels. Uh, Deshaun Theobalds, James Folks, Carly DeCosta and Rian Bray have all left the club. But if those exits are sad news for Angels, there is good news in the shape of new contract from manager Steve McKim and his assistant Barry Moore. Seven years already at the helm for McKim and the new bespoke deal extends that partnership with the club. And I think that's a really positive move, Matt. Yeah, I, I, yeah. At one point, I think he handed his resignation in. It was rumours that Chris Kinnear was going to take over, but you know he stayed in. They, you know, said no, you'll stay in, and he and he got he got them promoted and had, you know, a, a decent probably start to the season, didn't they? Here, um, struggled early on, but COVID really had them issues. But yeah, I think if they they seem to be doing stuff off the pitch as well with the committee, a lot of the supporters are heavily involved, and I think Steve McKim is is a good manager. Um, I think if he does well there, he may be going to bet himself. He's what same age as me, so he's got a few more years left in the game, I think. So, yeah, I think um, it's a good one. It, it seems like a good fit, doesn't it? Steve McKinnon, Tunbridge, and with Barrymore there as well. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good one for him. It's nice to see a bit of uh, continuity, a bit of longevity in a manager as well, because you know we've seen ourselves that managers can come and go pretty quickly, and and I think there were times as well where there was a bit of pressure on Steve McKim, mm. but he got them back to, to to the National League South, and 
like everybody else, he's, he's had two completely disrupted seasons since he got back to that level. Uh, got them to the FA Cup first round for the first time in in many, many years. And he would love to repeat that, I'm pretty sure, uh, when they can have supporters back in. But I think if you look at it, for, for the Tunbridge Angels and the club that they are, Steve McKim has done a great job over the past seven years. Oh, seven years. Tommy Warlow for what? You know, certain people at Tunbridge probably only know two managers in their time. And some of the teams in Kent have had about double that. Well, probably five times that amount of managers in that time. So, yeah, I think Tunbridge... Uh, a well run and, and you know and, and they believe in the continu- continuity process and I think that's probably a, a good decision as well yeah absolutely in the National League Bromley's new manager Andy Woman had a nightmare of a start and his side went two down inside 80 minutes of his first game against Wealdstone on Good Friday but they hit back to get a point and then followed that up with a goalless draw at Stockport on Monday evening uh, tough running ahead uh, for Bromley uh, this week's games are home to Dagenham and Redbridge and away to Woking probably pretty important if they are going to get into the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I, I look at that league table and I think maybe the top eight are now clear and they're going to go in it and it's going to be tough for Bromley to get into it. So, um, But they're not that far away, are they? They're only four points outside uh, Yeah, the I top, look at those other sides being more consistent, though, I think. Um, I, 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 we were, and I suppose it's, it's, it's a free hit for Andy Woodburn, I suppose. Some people say, why would you get rid of Neil Smith if, you know, he could have got him in the playoffs and if he didn't succeed, get rid of him now. But mate, clearly that didn't, they wanted him there. Free hit if he gets in the playoffs, it's the right decision. And if, if he doesn't get in the playoffs, he can say, I'll stop my players, I'll move on for next season. So I think it's a good result against Stockport. From what I gather, they were under the cosh, defensively solid, which you, well, I presume a goalkeeper, you know, will set up his side pretty rock solid defensively. So, um yeah, good result. Who they got coming up then? Because some tough games, have they? Well, this is the thing. So after these two games, they've got Chesterfield on the 17th away, Halifax, who are currently in the playoffs, uh, away the following Saturday. Then they've got Chesterfield at home again. That takes them up to the end of April. And then in May, uh, they were supposed to be playing Dover. Let's not talk about that one. Uh, then they've got Hartlepool, Torquay, uh, a game at Wealdstone as well. And then they've got Notts County, Aldershot, Notts County in their final three games. So they've got to play Notts County twice. They've got to play Chesterfield twice. They've got to play Hartlepool and Torquay. They've just played Stockport. That's quite a running. But if you get a, if you can get in some form and get some results there, yeah. not only are you going to be in the playoffs, but teams won't want to play you. If they've beaten Notts County twice in the league in the last three games, Notts County wouldn't fancy playing them in the playoffs, would they? No, I think that sums up the National League to a hilt when Bromley's last two of their last three games against the same team. And, and they've got that, Chesterfield two in three games uh, as well. Yeah, some, well, I know it's COVID, but sums up the National League this year. That would be, be Could they play? Yeah, they could play them three times out of four. That would be good, wouldn't they? <laughs> the playoffs and they get fed up with each other there. But that, looking at that running, I still fancy the top eight or the top seven will go from there. But I think maybe if they get some results there, they're going to be okay. If they win those, if they beat the Chesterfields, the Torquays and things like that, they'll be in the playoffs. So interesting times ahead. Yes, uh, talking of the National League and, and how it's run, Brian Barwick, the uh, the chairman of the National League, is to step down Jack at the end of the season. Uh, he faces a possible no-confidence vote, which we know about anyway. Some clubs unhappy with the way the league has handled funding issues in the wake of the pandemic, and obviously the North and South being declared null and void, and Dover stopping playing. Uh, the chief executive has already resigned as well. So uh, the National League has got the chance to start again, and let's just hope that something sensible happens here, because you know it is an opportunity to to have a bit of a reset and. 
and I hope they can get someone in. I mean, Brian Barwick, such an experienced man, and he couldn't uh, steady this ship. Uh, I, I guess in some ways you kind of feel sorry for him because he's he's taken a a big um, you know a big sort of he's taken a lot of criticism, which isn't necessarily all on him. Uh, and he said in a statement. Uh, since 2015, I believe the competition continued to grow in stature and profile, sent strong clubs up into the English Football League and built up a formidable and loyal set of commercial and broadcast partnerships. Uh, our 66 clubs remain the lifeblood of our competition and a vital part of their local communities. That's what makes our league so special. Uh, I also acknowledge just how tough it's been for many of our clubs over the past 12 months facing unprecedented challenges brought on by the COVID pandemic. Um, he says the clubs are the lifeblood. Have all those clubs been treated well over the past year? Possibly not. Uh, but it is an opportunity, isn't it, Matt? And, and clubs who have launched a no confidence vote against him. I hope they get the chance to say, well, this is what this is how we'd like to see the league be run going forward. Yeah. I, I just if they get company from clubs or they um, um, will go differently from that point of view. So I, I will have to see what actually happens from that point of view. Interesting times ahead to see what they're going to go. Has he pushed before his jump? Has he? Jump before he's pushed, probably, yeah. And he just maybe just to sort of fight off any sort of low confidence and they'll look again in the summer. Yeah, well, we'll see how that happens. And I just hope, you know, we've said several times uh, that we, we've kind of felt the leadership has been lacking in the National League. And this is what this is the opportunity for someone to, to really step up. I, I personally am all in favour of Matt Gerrard running the league. And uh, I, I hope someone will second that and we can see just how simple it is, can't we, mate? I, I think... Um... Dover's 12 points would be wiped out and they'll be automatically given 50 points. That should be the way forward. And yeah. I'll, have, I'll have Mark White, Dawkins, we'll be best buddies at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you might as well just promote who you fancy. I, I just <laughs> imagine there'll be certain teams like Woking of today launched legal action as their 50 point deduction at the start of the new season. <laughs> For being nasty to me 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, not like you to hold a grudge, mate. No, is not it? at all. Not at all. That football, no. no, not at all. This no. is the thing. This is the thing with Matt Jones. He is like the nicest man you could imagine. He picks up the plates when he's finished in weather spoons. He, you know, he's he's so nice and polite. And then every now and then he goes on the f bomb train and he's swearing all over the place. And if you wrong him at a football match, he okay. will remember. Yeah, Woking, yeah. Lincoln City. Uh, there are others knocking around the place as well, but they're the two that spring to mind. Uh, you can pretty much guarantee that this man, lovely as he is, will hunt you down and he will hurt you in some way. I, only in the footballing front, but yes, yep. I would, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, what else have you been up to then, mate? We're, we're done with the football uh, for now, I think. Well, been up, uh, well, a nice long weekend that went far too fast. So, not like we were a bit of, no, the weather was pretty ropey, wasn't it? So we, well, we had some snow yesterday, did you? Yeah, have we, snow? Had, we had snow and on Monday as well. So, oh. um, not really too much. Uh, walking the dog, getting my steps up, doing 10,000 steps every day. Uh, uh, we went to see my mum and the kids saw my mum, which was nice. Um, no, that's all about it. And all I've got to look forward to this weekend is going, actually going out and uh, watching some football. Uh, do you think the dog will be able to go to football games in the future? Uh, well, if I, if I took her, I'm sure she'd be well behaved. Give her a it's, a it's a thing, isn't it? Non-league dogs. Uh, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I, I don't think you're allowed at Crabble. Be honest, unsurprisingly, um, they're not really big on that sort of thing. But, it's you know, just like the Rottweilers down at Crabble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. 
Yeah, I did. I, I think once once we're a bit more, when I, we get taken her off the lead, so she can probably run around a little bit. So once she, yeah, I think um, well, it'd be nice to take her to football one time. Yeah, so exactly. My uh, my little buddy, yeah, it'd be nice. But no, apart from that, nothing really. I've watched anything on the telly. Uh, I'm finding Jack Charl, and I watched that. Did you watch that? I've got it taped, so it's brilliant. Very, very good. Very, very yeah. good. Very enjoyed that. Um, before you go back onto that, actually, on, on non-league dog, uh, I remember many years ago, uh, the dog no longer with us, sadly, uh, but folks in Invicta had a, a massive canine supporter who attended almost every single match. And uh, when Folkestone got promoted, uh, we did a, a special pullout at the uh, at the Folkestone Herald for... Uh, to celebrate the promotion, which tied in with Neil Cugley's 1,000th game. It was a beautiful thing. Apart from the fact that a uh, beloved former colleague of mine and, and mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, Sam Incasol, interviewed the bloody dog. Well, and look, and now he's watching Champions League games, mate. That's, that's yeah. really clearly, he's done well for himself. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember <laughs> the end, the last line of the uh, interview with the dog, uh, said woof and I'll bark you later if I remember rightly uh, it was and even though I'm no longer a journalist it was probably the lowest point uh, <laughs> of, of my career when Sam Incasol put forward an interview with a dog uh, and uh, sadly the, the dog was actually his words made more sense than Sam Incasol's did anyway I uh, hope you're well Inky uh, nice to uh, yeah start to take the mick out of you but you know that uh, my, my dear friend but uh, yeah interview the dog uh, yeah tell you I've not been watching uh, too much MasterChef's been brilliant this year and we're obviously in the final of that now this week um, a little bit of Champions League on this week of course you Europa tonight, League tomorrow uh, yeah Chelsea tonight uh, did, did Liverpool last night? I'm doing Man City next week. Uh, I watched the Dortmund game yesterday against Man City, so Dortmund can't defend for Toffee, but they had chances there. So, well, you should talking to teams that can't defend for Toffee, you should have seen Liverpool for the first half an hour. Oh dear, they were awful. Um, not a good time for Liverpool, is it really? No, but you know what they're like, it's just one of those nagging ones where they only need to win 2 0. And that's the sort of thing that they managed to fluke every now and then. But they can't afford to defend like they did last night. Uh, it's quite something, that performance. But, uh, but yeah, just uh, cracking on, as I say, just uh, muddling through, doing a bit of running. Uh, I've got something else going on this week, but I don't think I'll talk about that on here uh, until next week, perhaps. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, just looking looking forward to some sort of normality, I suppose. Yeah, Um yeah, I suppose go to the shops next week, can't you? With the with the whole world, um, yeah. I'm sure. Prime pub, pub gardens, pub beer gardens. Yeah, it's a bit too cold for that for me, mate. I would say they're banging on about pubs, 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 aren't they? That's yep. all they seem to care about. And how What's many people go British to the pub spirit, before? Isn't it? When was the last time I went to a pub? Well, before I was hardly I was hardly going down the local every night, so no, it make a difference to me. No, uh, it, I mean it. It doesn't really to me. I mean, I went. Last year when they were open beer gardens only, I didn't go that often. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not that desperate for a pint that I'll go and sit in a freezing garden. So, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, we'll be doing various bits and pieces, just looking forward well, at least to a bit of a We can talk about football, can't we? Yes, exactly. I'm really looking forward to it, mate. And I hope you have a uh, 
I hope you have a nice time uh, at the game on Saturday. And no doubt you'll keep me updated uh, as things go along. I will probably dap on and watch a bit on Facebook as well. And don't forget, you can see that game uh, from the Deal Town Facebook page. So that will be really, really exciting and massive good luck, as we said, uh, to Steve King. Thanks to Steve and Darren for their time uh, earlier on in the show as well. Really enjoyed this one. Actually, a couple of really good interviews good chat everything you could want we're back to you know we don't want to chase all these me- mega listeners mate we're back to our, our bread and butter this hardcore. week yeah, yeah just, just, this one's for the hardcore out there yeah. um you can find us on twitter at kent nl podcast you can find us on facebook as well search for kent only podcast matt is at matthew underscore gerard i am at john phipps 81 on twitter uh, so do give us a follow if you feel like it probably not worth it to be brutal honest but uh you might you might find something that you enjoy anyway uh, thank you everybody for listening thanks to matt as always for his time and we'll speak to you all next week on the kent Lonely podcast let's hope they're the real deal on saturday <laughs>